And welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program addressing the ramifications of change in our communities and beyond, and how today's choices will impact tomorrow's community. This program is a project of Action for Healthy Communities, and it's presented in collaboration with KCBX and the Community Foundation of San Luis Obispo County. Today, our host, Fred Monroe, and his guests will uh, speak from the San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara County's Martin Luther King Committees and local chapters of the NAACP. They're going to discuss the commemoration of Martin Luther King's birthday this Monday, January 15th, and why Dr. King's legacy is still so important and should not be forgotten or ignored. Uh, we do invite you to participate in our program today, and we are going to be able to take uh, calls intermittently, and if you'd like to do that, you can do it at 805-781-3875. We do have some other guests coming on the phone lines with us this afternoon. Right now, let's join Fred Monroe and his guests. Over to you, Fred. Thank you, Brad. Glad to be with you today. Um, good afternoon, and welcome to Central Coast Voices. I'm your host, Fred Monroe. Our goals, as you probably know by now, are to bring you credible and valid information and insights from diverse members of our community. We want to address how today's choices will affect tomorrow's community. Sometimes it's a discussion of how choices we may not have made very well before um, need to still be looked at. I want to remind you that the uh, legislation that recognized Martin Luther King's birthday as a uh, day of commemoration and holiday was introduced just four days after his assassination um, in 1968. However, it took 15 years and the persistence of many civil rights activists before the holiday would be approved at the federal level government. Um, there are still some states in the United States who find that particular day's observance to not be fitting in their calendar, but um, that's a discussion for some other time. Today, um, Martin Luther King's birthday is also the only federal holiday designated as a national day of service, encouraging all Americans to volunteer and improve their communities. The fact that it includes that is a very, very clear um, honor to Martin Luther King's legacy. Um, I want to remind folks, uh, this is just an aside to some of the other notes that I'll share with you. But as I looked back at um, where my life was when uh, Dr. King left us in 1968, um, it had not occurred to me until I looked at it very carefully that um, not only did he leave us too soon, and this was a terrible tragedy, but the man was under 40 years of age when he died. Um, he gave us a tremendous amount of great um, insights and, for lack of a better word, civil and human rights ammunition in his life. But I think sometimes we forget that he um, he didn't have a whole lot of years to do that in, and he did cover a lot of territory, and that's a very remarkable part of what we're talking about. Today we're going to speak with my guests who are members of the San Luis Obispo chapter of the NAACP. That's Tobin Johnson, who's president, and Irv Hepner, who is the branch legal redress chair, and we'll the define what redress is uh, a little bit later on. We're also going to be joined by members of the Committee of Santa Barbara County for Martin Luther King's Day, and we'll be talking with uh, a, a, a student from Carpinteria High School who is re the recipient of an award from uh, the NAACP and Martin Luther King Committee of Santa Barbara because they did a a contest, if you will, for poetry and prose regarding Martin Luther King Day. 
And um, her name is um, Evelyn Calkins, and she will be with us a little bit after the um, the, the break at one thirty. There's a lot to talk about, and it's I guess this may be considered political commentary. I hope you don't see it that way, but it really distresses me that the conversation about what Martin Luther King's legacy was and what we look at with regard to human rights in our country and how we look at human rights internationally is a conversation we continue to have, and we don't just continue to have it because we should have it. We also often have it because we haven't figured out how to pay attention to it. And that's hopefully what part of uh, our conversation will be with today. Um, gentlemen, I guess probably the of the things that we've talked about so far um, in, in the introduction here, Irv, I think we probably need to explain what the legal redress committee is of the NAACP sure. because other, otherwise that might end up uh, tying up more of the conversation than we need to. <laughs> Sure, I'd be happy. Thank you, Fred. I'd be happy to happy to discuss that. So each branch of the NAACP has a legal redress committee, and the reason for that is that um, there there are many, many, far too many instances of racial discrimination and uh, and racial harassment um, that go on in this country, and so each branch has a committee. I chair the one in San Luis Obispo County. And the purpose of it is to act not as lawyers, even though it has the word legal in it, um, but to act as advocates for uh, members of the community who come to us with complaints about racial discrimination or racial harassment. We can, in, in appropriate cases, we can work with their counsel if they have lawyers uh, in, in some sort of legal proceeding, you know, whether it's you know, uh, employment discrimination, housing discrimination, that sort of thing. Or, um, uh, or, and we can help them to locate lawyers if they if they don't have lawyers. Um, but um, but we stand at their side as as advocates. And and you know, there are a number of situations where advocacy is all that's necessary. So anyway, that's what we do. We're a community resource uh, to address problems of discrimination and harassment. And how involved a process. <laughs> Different words. Is that a a constant bumping your head against the wall often process, for lack of a better – not a great choice of words. I'm sorry, but I think you get the point. Well, it is a constant process because the – because – there, uh, we are not at a point where we don't have complaints of that kind. We have them all the time. Um, No, I wouldn't say – I mean there are mechanisms for dealing with racial harassment and racial discrimination. A lot of times people in the community just are not familiar with what they are. Um, And so that's where the experience of the NAACP um, is extremely helpful as a guide to people who don't don't know how to pull the levers that they need to pull in order to in order to resolve situations. Sometimes it just means sitting down with an employer um, uh, and the employee and and acting as a sophisticated party with experience in that area to try to resolve a problem. And every chapter has someone in your position. 
or a similar situation? They, I, I imagine there may be rural chapters that uh, you know don't have don't have all their committees populated, but every chapter is supposed to have uh, such a committee, and every chapter that I've that I've come into contact with does have such a committee. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Tobin, as president of the local NAACP, and I believe you've been in that position for about a year and a half or? 11 months. 11 months. Okay. No well, one's not, counting, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, how, how do you see the organization in San Luis County and what's going on here from an organizational standpoint? I, I, I don't want to um, lose track of the fact we want to talk about what's going on in your community also on this Monday. Um, but maybe some, some history and background of what got you here would be helpful. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Fred. Um, how, the, how it came around, um, I've been with the organization for about four years. Uh, and then this past year, I sent it to the presidency. So the organization we know is about 115 years old. We're celebrating that uh, our 115th year. Uh, And the organization has done some amazing work in our community, but we still have a lot more work to do. Um, And and part of that is, as Irv talked about, the Legal Redress uh, Committee uh, and fielding those cases and being present to represent our community because there's a lot of folks that do not – they do not understand uh, the legalities uh, behind filing a claim um, and being – uh, part of the legal redress. But in addition to that, uh, education is something that has been significant for us. So uh, putting, getting scholarships, ensuring that we're advocating and educating the, the community. So we're bringing, um, we're offering scholarships and we're, we're being more present in the community. Um, and, and being that organization that we have the history uh, to support and advocate for our community. You're one of the few organizations that has a, a, a key figure, if you will, in our history that, um, that has addressed the issues of both nonviolence but human rights and civil rights um, that becomes the legacy of what you're looking at. And I, I think that, that is a, a key a key thing when we talk about what the opportunities are for for your your organization, and we can talk about what things are going on with that um, in a little bit. Um, Isaac Garrett from uh, from Santa Barbara is uh, just called in, and we uh, wanted to give Isaac a chance to let let's find out what's going on in Santa Barbara County. Um, We'll get back to the um, the discussion that we're having with Tobin and, and Irv here also, but I don't want to keep Isaac waiting too long, and I'm a little concerned that if we do, he may have to shorten his remarks. Isaac, glad you're with us. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for having me. Okay. So what's for starters, what's in case we we lose you and or we lose some listeners from Santa Barbara, what is the some of the key things going on for you in Santa Barbara this coming Monday. And um, I know there's also an art show going on that's running through the month that we want to talk about, too. Yes. Well, we have activities starting today at the University of Santa Barbara. The Eternal Flame, which we have been uh, sponsoring for the last eight or ten years, lighting it in a ceremony over at uh, Multicultural Center. 
and that is taking place today. In fact, it's in progress right now as we speak. And then tomorrow we have uh, services planned. That we will have uh, two of our students reading their essay and poetry contests at one of the services at one of the local churches. And then Saturday we have a day of service, as Dr. King always stated, that he would like to have us to do a day of service, which we're not sponsoring anything Pacific this year. We are asking the members of the community to decide what they want, what project they want to work on this time. And as far as Sunday, we are asking the community to attend a church service, the service of your choice. We're not specifying anyone or any church, just the church of their choice. And Monday, we're starting the day with a morning program down at Delegato Plaza, as usual, which we've been doing for the last 16 years, at least the first year we had it over at the high school. The uh, program will consist of honoring and recognizing one of our uh, founding members who passed last year. We will have some local politicians to give us a statement. We will also have music selections, and we will have a keynote speaker speaking to the uh, theme this year, which is the time is always ripe to do right. That's one of the uh, quotes from Dr. King's letter that he wrote to the Birmingham clergy who questioned his timing of a protest in Mississippi, not in Mississippi, but in Alabama, to uh, protest unjust treatments of Negroes in 1962. Then we have a celebration of life for one of our members at the Arlington Theater would be dedicated to her, which with our normal program where we will have a keynote speaker and other festivities along to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. And then we will have a service afterwards to honor that member. Yeah. I also understand that the Community Arts Workshop in Santa Barbara has uh, got a display that's starting towards the end of the month and running through February of some photographs of Dr. King that had been um, I guess they had not been found or known existed until recently. Some of them, I understand, are for sale, but that's also a an art show that's going on, I believe, through the 4th of February. Can you tell us some more about that? Yes. Well, the photos, they wasn't lost. They just wasn't uh, available to the uh, current owner. And, in fact, I guess they uh, had been saved industries, entities at least, that uh, had possession of them. In fact, uh, I understand that they were trying to sell some of them and et cetera. But we will be having an exhibit on the 25th of this month to uh, exhibit some of the photos. And some of them, will be, they would all be up for sale, basically. And the proceeds will be going to the MLK Committee of Santa Barbara and one of the other local organizations, and there will be an opportunity for people to view the photos on the 26th and the 27th of the, this month. So I I would assume we may get some of our San Luis Obispo listeners to find making a drive to Santa Barbara would be worth their time. Well, I think it would be much, very much worth their time. 
Yeah, Odo's um, looking for the uh, information I have here on those. I've got so much on my desk here. But at any rate, they will be available for viewing at that time. And um, I, I, I want to ask the the Santa Barbara community has historically had a a, a very strong political view with regard to human rights. Um, I believe when we look at and we sometimes assume that that the an affluent community like Santa Barbara um, may may be out of touch with some communities of uh, of more of an economic and and human rights challenge but i believe this effort and the your chapter of the NAACP has uh, has done a lot to basically make sure that that the the world's aware that that Santa Barbara wants to and continues to acknowledge that human rights is key that is absolutely correct and in fact we have had a strong presence here dealing with just exactly that specific issue and in fact we uh several years ago was involved in trying to get some of the uh local businesses to open up their doors you know to more of the minorities to become members even of the organizations and accepting whatever which the doors had been closed prior to the effort that we made in order to get those doors open and we will continue to do that and in fact one of the reasons why I uh, joined the Martin Luther King Jr. Committee was because of the fact that we experience that yes we can pass laws, we can enforce laws and etc. But at the same time, we also have to work with the human heart. That's basically where it starts, is with the human heart. And that's one of the things that Dr. King was so strong on was the relationship between the different individuals and the different groups. I have to tell you, that's very well put because I believe sometimes we politicize things that are really more about the human heart and human rights tied to that. And I, I appreciate you making that comment. Um, are there? Have you historically seen any um, any misconceptions and um, and things that need explanation for the general community with regard to the efforts of the NAACP and, frankly, the efforts of um, of what is done to honor Dr. King? Well, absolutely. In general, most of society basically feels because there are certain laws on the book that's supposed to be protecting certain individuals and groups and rights, that they are actually being enforced, but they are not. And in fact, some of them are surprised to learn some of the things that we have to do and some of the court challenges that we have in order to be able to enjoy the rights and the privileges that already many of them enjoy without even thinking about it, etc. And sometimes the comments we get and the support we get after certain things are brought to their attention is amazing. Yeah. Isaac B., I want to make sure that uh, before you go, where can people specifically find uh, specific in- information about what's going on for this week coming up uh, in Santa Barbara? Um, is, there a, is there a local NAACP chapter site on the web? Well, they can go to the MLK's website, which is 
www.mlksb.org. I think that's pretty simple. So Martin Luther King, Santa Barbara, if people lose track of that, I'm sure Google will help them find it. Yes. Okay. Um, I know you don't have too much time to be with us. Anything else that you want to make sure we don't we don't forget about or that you want to um, insert here before we say goodbye? Well, I just want to make sure that uh, people know and realize that the NAACP and the Martin Luther King Jr. Committee both are necessary organizations in order to be in the field working to remind people and to encourage people what human rights is all about. And I think when it gets right down to it, we all want the same thing. And we all want to be treated equally. Not because of the color of our, because of our race. We don't look for excuses and we don't look for advantages. We just want to be treated equal as everyone else and enjoy the same equal opportunity, rights, and privileges as any citizen is entitled to in this USA of America. Isaac, we're in this together, and I think that's what it's all about. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We'll um, hopefully we'll see you in Santa Barbara, and um, I'm I'm actually I, I'm I'm going to try and figure out a way to get down there because I really would like to see the photographs. That would be a, a very moving experience. It'll be a very moving experience, and it would be good, you know what I mean, at least for conversation starter, you know what I mean, at your home and et cetera. Yeah. And they will be on sale basically for twenty two fifty each, except one, which would be at about 5000 Understood. Oh. Okay. Thank, thank you, Isaac. We've been talking with Isaac Garrett. He's a founding member of the Martin Luther King Committee in Santa Barbara and the NAACP. Um, Isaac, thanks for joining us. We'll say goodbye. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Good conversation. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad we could find, we could have an opportunity. He could not come join us in the studio today. Um, it's a long drive for a lot of people from Santa Barbara, but I'm glad we could have that conversation. Um, I'm trying to remember where we were, Tobin. <laughs> I think we're going to jump into our event. Oh, okay. About- <laughs> Thank you. It's, I, 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 I don't shift gears as well as I used to sometimes. Yeah. You have a um, an event called Pilgrimage to Nonviolence coming up on Monday, and absolutely, I think we'd like to talk about it because it looks like a fascinating event. All right. So, uh, as you mentioned, so Pilgrimage to Nonviolence is the theme for this year, and how I developed that um, was everything going on in the world, and also on just the fight to human rights and how we got there. Um, and Dr. King's approach. So I was definitely interested in celebrating that. So I have to go, have to come back to how it all began. So I was interested, oh, my three key points were that I wanted to advocate, educate, and disseminate. With that helped me develop this. So when I started looking at Dr. King, we all know Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech and a lot of other things that he's done, but uh, the book that we did a rhetorical analysis and sort of a deep dive on uh, and pulled some of the excerpts out of that was Stride Toward Freedom. So this book was a memoir um, from, his, from his discussion and his philosophy on the Montgomery boy bu- bus boycott. 
So this was when he first finished um, Boston University and then first moved to Montgomery, Alabama. This was his introduction um, and his work with uh, Montgomery Improvement Association, um, so MIA. But what we did was just an analysis on that book, and we talked about um, on those reflex on those reflections on on the book. Um, but also developing this, I was able to reach out to some local. Uh, local organizations that were interested in participating in this event, and that was some of our sponsors. So uh, Jewish Community Center of SLO, Unitarian Universalists uh, of SLO, Ben the Ark, People of Faith, Congregation Beth David, Diversity Coalition, and the Planned Parenthood of Central Coast. What we did was we started taking some of these excerpts and really figuring out how we wanted to build the program around those and make that educational um, as the information was going to be important on developing this. So we talked about uh, on building the program and having community members come in to be part of it. So So we wanted to do all of that in this. So one of the things that I was able to do is reach out to the Black Student Union of Paso Robles High School because I know that everything that we do, we have to be able to have young folks involved in everything that we're doing to be able to pass that baton, but for them to have an understanding of Dr. King and his contributions to, uh, to civil rights and to human rights. So this event... Uh, will highlight, will take place at the Unitarian Universalist Church at 2201 Lawton in San Luis Obispo uh, from 1230 to 4. And yes, lunch is provided. I think that's important <laughs> for us to, uh, for, for you to know if that you, you're going to get If you some want food. people to come and, see and, and be part of your program for three or four hours, you need to feed them. We understand that. <laughs> A wise decision. Mm-hmm. And then also some of those excerpts. So I wanted to hear from the community. So we're going to have some of those excerpts hung up around the church where people can come in and write how one of these excerpts may resonate with them on how they, um, how that particular excerpt um, has a personal association or how it really, um, how, like I said, resonates with them. So they're able to write on sticky notes and post those. And what we'll do at the end of the event, uh, we will acknowledge those and send those out via, um, via social media or um, also uh, let the Black Student Union take those back and use those as classroom um, identifiers so that people can know they participated in that as well as uh, we're having a dramatic reading. And I'm just giving you all the, the details and the content because this is, this is how we're going to keep you engaged for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> but part of that is a dramatic reading. Uh, one of these, this suggestion 
uh, was from one of the special committee members that I that I organized to help plan this event because I knew that we couldn't do it all by ourselves. And NACP is going to be uh, we were going to be the lead in this event, but I wanted to bring people that had uh, different backgrounds and different uh, feelings about Dr. King and bring those all together and develop this program. So that's why you're going to have a dramatic reading. You're also going to have the Black Student Union. Um, presentation, which I'm calling a fireside chat. <laughs> so they're going to be able to talk through some of these excerpts and use those as personal experiences um, and then have have the uh, the attendees listen to that and, and have a personal attachment to those. We're going to – thank you very much. And we'll, we'll revisit that some more so people who may have missed some of the things as far as the exact time and the exact location – we don't want them to forget, so we'll talk about that in the next half an hour. Um, Evelyn Culkins, um, our, our poetry uh, writer from Carpinteria High School, will be with us. We're going to take a quick break, um, just give you a chance to catch your breath, reorganize a little bit. This is Central Coast Voices. We're talking with folks from the Santa Barbara County and San Luis Obispo County NAACP about Martin Luther King Day coming up on this Monday. We'll be back with you shortly. And uh, we will return to Central Coast Voices in just a moment. Uh, Brad Kyle here with a message that on Friday, January 12th, you're invited to come and meet the, the people that you hear on KCBX. We're having a social and happy hour at the House of Bread on Farmhouse Lane in San Luis Obispo. 50% of your food and drink purchases will support KCBX, and you'll have a chance to chat with people who keep this station going. Music director Neil Losey and news director Gabriela Fernandez will be behind the bar, and many of our show hosts and uh, our news team will be on there, too. I'll be along, too. So come on by Friday, January 12th from 4 to 6 at the House of Bread on Farmhouse Lane. We hope to see you there. I'm Maria Hinojosa, next time on Latino USA. Hogar Crea, the story of a controversial Puerto Rican drug treatment program and the larger-than-life man who started it. That's next time on Latino USA. On the next Fresh Air, Washington Post reporter Julian Mark talks about the resignation of Claudine Gay, Harvard's first black president, and how her departure has revealed a larger movement to dismantle diversity, equity, and inclusion practices in every sector, from academia to corporate America. Join us. You know those QR codes on menus and online ordering? It makes it a whole lot easier for restaurants to change prices on demand. If there are slow times in a restaurant, and there always are, those are great, great times for restaurants to use discounts. I'm Kai Rizdal, a taste, if you will, for dynamic pricing in the food and beverage industry. That's next time on Marketplace. It's been a decade since places like New York City bought into Vision Zero, an ambitious plan to eliminate traffic fatalities completely. Needless to say, that hasn't happened. The main reason that communities are failing is that there's not the will 
to make changes that are, in the end, probably going to slow people down driving. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. We unpack why on All Things Considered from NPR News. And that is ahead on our Thursday here on KCBX. We've got Latino USA coming up following this program from uh, 2 to 3. Mark, uh, fresh air from 3 to 4. Then it's Marketplace from 4 to 4.30. And All Things Considered uh, from 4.30 to 6.30, leading to an evening of music. Right now, let's return to Fred Monroe and his guests on Central Coast Voices. Back to you, Fred. Thank you, Brad. This is Fred Monroe, and we have folks from the NAACP of San Luis Obispo County. If you're just joining us, we had some folks from Santa Barbara County also before the break on. And coming up, we have Evelyn Calkins, who is a high school student at Carpinteria High School, who was one of the um, the three poetry awardees for a uh, a contest that was put on by the NAACP and the Martin Luther King Committee in Santa Barbara County to uh, to address uh, commemoration of Martin Luther King. Um, Evelyn, are you there? Yes, hello. Hi there. Thank you for your patience. We um we 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 had to get some other housekeeping done before we um we got to the discussion. Um I I don't know if if you I mean, you probably are assuming this is the case, but we didn't specifically tell you this. Can I can I talk you into reciting your pro, po, poem first, and we can talk a little further about why afterwards? Um, I guess nobody specifically said to me that you would not recite it, so I'm assuming you will. <laughs> of course, I'd love to read it to you. Okay, please do. All right. So this is shining a light on justice in a world of shadows and shifting light, where choices often blur the lines. Stands a beacon, steadfast and bright, whispering, the time is always right to do right. King spoke with a voice so profound, a symphony of hope rising above the ground. Amidst the turmoil, amidst the night, he reminded, the time is always right to do right. Not tomorrow, not in hindsight view, but in the present, where dreams come true. For justice isn't seasonal or linked to the light. Every heartbeat, every thought holds its might. It's beautiful. Thank you. What what prompted you to be part of this program? I, and I guess I'll, I'll give you a defense to begin with. I realize that your your teacher in your English teacher at Carpinteria High School um, is involved with the uh, the Martin Luther King Day Committee in Santa Barbara. Um, so you might have gotten some prodding that was be, beyond your choice. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you got involved in this. <laughs> of course. Well, my English teacher, Miss Gilbert, did prompt us to all submit a poem, and she's so amazing with inspiring all of us. But every year since, like, elementary school, we've always learned about MLK, and he just has such an impact on all of our communities even now, and I'm so honored to be able to give my own poem to show a little bit of what he means to me. So what kind of reaction have you been getting to the I'm assuming it's been read by a lot of people. I'm assuming a lot of people have asked you to read it. Um, what kind of reactions are you getting or comments are you getting from people who maybe had not thought about um, how important Dr. King was to, to your life and their lives? Well, this is my first time reading it, so I'm a little excited <laughs> for that. But You did good. Thank uh, you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm just so honored to share what he's done, and I've had 
had the opportunity to learn so much in my high school and through my elementary school and middle school experience, but I know not all schools focus on amazing people like MLK, so it's really special to share. So uh, I'm a, is, is Martin Luther King's birthday a, a holiday, I'm assuming, for your high school? Yes, we did not have school there, but we'll be at the Arlington Theater. Okay. So you will be part of the, you, you 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 won't be in class, but you'll be at part of the program for the very reason why you're out of class. Yes. Okay. Um. Any any more thoughts that you'd like to share with us um, as as far as this this whole process and your feelings about it, and um, and frankly your poem. Um, I just like to share how thankful I am and excited for everyone to be able to celebrate like I am. Thank you. I understand there's some other members of your class who also um, did this and were award winners. Yes, it's really special. The three winners are from my high school, <laughs> so it'll be all my friends up on stage. <laughs> I it, it sounds like your teacher may have influences that um, on this that will that will be lasting for your community. That's very good. So it's Sometimes, um, an aside, sometimes we assume English teachers are only teaching English as opposed to teaching human rights, and I think this is probably an obvious exception to that and an understanding why why there's more to life than just learning English. Yeah, uh, an amazing teacher can change a life, and that's certainly what's happening with my English class. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it with that. I, that's a that's a very <laughs> profound thing coming from a high school student, and I appreciate you doing that. Thank you for reading the poem for us. Um, any other thoughts that you want to before we say goodbye? Nope, that's it. Thank okay. you. Thanks very much. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will get to see you on Monday at the Arlington Theater. Perfect. See you then. Take care. That young woman knew why she did this, and we I don't think we can top that. No, uh, that was that was wonderful. and and one of the one of the things that she accomplished was to really engage with the thought of uh, the thought and the legacy of of Dr. King. And that that really is the way that we've structured our celebration. It's not it's not just it's not a a party per se, right? But it's a it's really an engagement with the with the thought, um, because that's that's what he gave us. He gave us a um, a framework of uh, thought around how one struggles in a nonviolent way. He brought together his uh, his faith and his political ideas in a combination that was very effective and and is effective uh, uh, to this day. He was taken from us far too soon. He was Mm -hmm. under 40 years old. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, it's every time I read that particular fact, pretty much every year when I look at his life, I'm I'm startled. I have I have children who are older than he was when he was assassinated, um, and I'm glad. I'm, it took 15 years, but I'm glad as a national holiday we were able to have that legacy stick with us. 
I want to remind you, if this is a conversation you'd like to be part of, we still have some time, and we welcome your calls. The phone number is 805-781-3875. We would like you to have your comments on the air. If you would prefer to call in and you have some comments you'd like to share but you don't want to be live on the air, you're welcome to do that also. Uh, Brad, our studio engineer, will take your notes, and we can go from there. Um, to to both of you, to, to Toby and Irv, um, what brought you to this point? Um, I mean, it's I, Irv. I I suspect you were you were alive when Dr. King was alive. Um, I was too. <laughs> um, Tobin, I believe. Um, I, I don't know your age, but I, my thought is you were not. I was not. I'm 46 years old. <laughs> um. He he did a lot for us. I when he, the year he was assassinated, I was seven years seventeen years old. Um, it was a it was a startling, um, very um, heart robbing um, experience in my life. I, but I wonder there are a lot of people who, like you, Tobin, were not alive when he was mm-hmm. alive. So you basically get to share part of the legacy for people like Irv and I who were around when that happened. And um, and I never heard him speak in person, but I listened to and heard a lot of things he had to say before um, we lost him. I I commend you all for continuing to keep this, this discussion going. Um, and I'm glad that KCBX and our program, Central Coast Voices, can be part of that discussion. On a daily basis, do you do you run into people who who can't figure out why we still talk about this? I think we all do. Um, uh, you know, there. I think there is a great tendency to um, to pretend that problems don't exist. I think we do this in our personal lives. And we do it in our political lives as well. It's just easier um, to ignore um, uh, chronic problems. And and so, yeah, I run into people who have that attitude all the time. Why are we still talking about this? And I think you hear it politically as well. Uh, you hear it even from some of our courts saying, oh, well, we don't, we don't need to pay attention to voting rights anymore. We don't need to pay attention to um, – to issues of race in this country. Um, but I- issues of race have always been fundamental in in this country's political life. We're not over them by any means. And I think it's just a kind of easy way out for people to say, oh, I, I don't I don't think about that. I don't need to think about that. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So uh, I hear of things that affect voting rights and these things that are significant. We know that we're going into a significant election year um, and access to voting rights and access to um, to clear information and transparency on how this election is going. So, yes, things are still relevant and, and race is still a factor in all of that. So it, it all comes comes full circle when we talk about some of these human rights that uh, that Dr. King was instrumental on getting passed, the Civil Rights Act, and a lot of these key legislation 
um, that was that allows us to have some of those liberties and some of those freedoms that we have now. Um, but it comes full circle um, w- when we start talking about all of these these rights. Um, and the book that I reference is The Stride Toward Freedom is Dr. King did so much in his life to be in his late 30s before he was uh, before he was killed that the book that we reference is this was in his 20s. You know, he was fin- finishing his his degree and he was such a young man to to the but the Montgomery bus boycott to be a vital piece in getting that happening in his 20s. I think about 20 years ago, what, what I was doing, it definitely wasn't making a movement like like Dr. King was. And, um, and to be able to articulate yeah. a vision of how one could do this without violence. Mm-hmm. Taking from the Gandhian example, yeah. and because there was uh, Fred, you you were alive then. I was alive then. There was a tremendous wave of violence that was fed by rage at, at and a lot of it that was racially based, and uh, and and Dr. King articulated a vision of how we can solve problems without resorting to that and pushing back against the 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 idea that your only option was violence mm-hmm. there's as as you were talking about that just now it occurred to me we were talking about a man who had two things that don't always fit together for people that is he was an incredibly elegant um articulate speaker mm-hmm. with an incredible vision to share um his his father, who was also a pastor, it may, it may he, he may have inherited some of it, or it may have been around the dinner table in his own life. But uh, that's a a balance of things that um, you don't often see, and um, it's a it's a challenge for a lot of people who were not around then to um, to understand it. I would encourage listeners if you get a chance. There's an number of uh, of things on YouTube that really give you an understanding of of what Dr. King said and um it's 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 amazing to hear if you've not listened to it I would suggest that you that you give that you give it a try one of the things that I'm very careful in this program to do the best I can to stay out of the the politics of of the universe because the politics of the universe right now is somewhat all all consuming um, but we have we have recently seen politicians who have forgotten that the revolutionary war is not and the civil war are not the same thing um we've had politicians recently who um have had some ability re- or disability if you will remembering and acknowledging that a good portion of the civil war of this country was around slavery and slavery was around the entire absurdity of dealing with people as property. And for a lot of, I think, younger people, it's it's not in their mind that this is important to talk about. It's essential to talk about. It's essential to, it's essential to keep talking about it because it, it, it was, it was an institution an evil institution that was that was a central part of the economy 
of this country in in its before the revolution, after the revolution. Um, huge battles were fought uh, between those who, and it wasn't just intellectual; it was economic as well. I mean, between between say you know in in Missouri there were there were violent struggles between farmers who had slaves and wanted to keep them and and farmers who didn't want slaves and and felt that they were at a economic disadvantage and the wealth that was created by slavery um has also been passed down it's it's you know many of our institutions uh, accumulated their wealth many of our wealthy families accumulated their wealth in that period this stuff doesn't just go away um, it has to be acknowledged, uh, and, and 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 I don't know that there is a, a you know a final kind of resolution to those issues, but consciousness and talking about them are are an essential part. It seems to me of of uh, of overcoming the disabilities that that we've been saddled by our history. Tobin, we're on we're on the radio, so I need to clarify this um, for our listeners. Um, you're sitting in the room. You are you are the black guy with the two white guys mm-hmm. talking about this. Yes. So uh, the only person I can pose this question to that makes any sense is you. Um, growing up, at what point in your your youth did did the concept that People may see you differently, may see you in a disapproving manner, um, come up in the conversation at your dinner table. It was always an idea as well as a reality that we that racism existed. I'm originally from the Midwest in Illinois. So, yes, racism existed. Um, and it was very blatant, but it wasn't when – I, when I compare racism to what I grew up with and things that are happening in the South, I think there was a distinct uh, difference. But growing up knowing that uh, history classes only taught a certain part of history. They only taught certain things. So when I referenced Dr. King and – and the significant impact he had on us, I have a dream, or it was a celebration and not necessarily the history and how we got to this point. So that's where it wasn't until uh, college and undergrad and moving to the South and living in New Orleans and seeing um, racism as as cut and dry as it as it is. And we're talking about in the 20th century, this is this is happening. So Growing up, yes, we knew that it existed. Um, did I have direct uh, cases of discrimination? Yes, uh, and it continues. Hap- it continues to happen to this day, um, just in different forms. So we know that systematic racism is still a factor. We know that um, access to uh, to voting rights and access to clean water and access to a lot of things are not equal. That is not equity. And we still have this, we still have these problems. And this is why NACP is still around, that we're still advocating, educating, and empowering, because 
racism still exists and how do we combat that? We have to combat that together as as community leaders, as community um, folks. And just a, a point from Stride Toward Freedom, um, so when Dr. King and the MIA uh, met with the mayor of Montgomery at that time, they had three demands. One demand was that seats would come available and it would be first-come, first-served seating because there were certain buses that were strictly Negro uh, and other bus routes. So that was the first one, first-come, first-served. If any seat opens up, we have the right to take that seat. The second point was that the, Neg- the bus company would hire, if any vacancies came available, Negro bus drivers to be able to, that are on specifically black routes that they had, that they would have the opportunity to apply for those jobs. And then the third point was just that the staff would be courteous. And I think that is a great way because if we're just able to do that now and be courteous to one another and be good humans, I think that will put us uh, far ahead on where we where we come. But until that happens, NACP is here, and we're here to support and ensure that we are advocating uh, for our community and continuing to fight because we know that access to a lot of resources is not equity, and that's what we're all about is equity uh, for all. I want to interject, and I'm I'm sorry to shift gears, but we're almost out of time. Mo McFadden, who is from Santa Barbara County. Mo, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. You have just a moment, but you wanted to add some information to the photographic, about the photographic exhibit in Santa Barbara? Yeah. um, It's going to start on the 23rd of January and run through the 4th of February. It's at the Community Arts Workshop at Garden and Ortega Street in Santa Barbara. And these are photos that have never been seen before of Dr. King. They're very powerful. The photojournalist, Santi Fasali, uh, will be around. And we'd like to encourage people who want to come and see this because of the limited hours that we've got to call and make an appointment. And the curator, Helene Schneider, will make, uh, will make it happen for you. And maybe okay. if we get you early enough... We can even get the photojournalist, Sunti, to come. Okay. Thanks for adding that to the discussion. We're almost out of time, so I've got to let you go. I but know. thanks very much. It's been a great show, Fred. Okay. Thank great. you. Thank you, Mo. Okay. Okay. All right, glad we, glad we got a chance to squeeze that in there. We've got just a few minutes left. Um, as most listeners know that I um, I talk too much, and I want to make sure my guests always get a chance for the last word. Um, Irv, I'm going to start with you. What do you want to make sure people don't forget today? Don't forget uh, if you're if you're in the area, please join us uh, on on the fifteenth uh, at the Unitarian Church at twenty two zero one Lawton um, at twelve thirty. We'd we'd love to have you there, and I think it'll be, um, I think I, I think you'll find the ideas inspiring, and uh, and we'd really look forward to uh, to the discussion and um, and the celebration. Reservations are not needed. They are not okay. So if you show up, you will be welcome. Yes. Okay. I didn't expect you to say anything but <laughs> yes, but I wanted to just emphasize the point. Okay. Tobin, your final thoughts? Yes, so many. You are, you're absolutely right that this goes so quickly. So the Dr. King event, so uh, the event, 1230 to 4, 
Uh, it's going to be an amazing event, and it's going to be kids involved in this program. So you get to see the youth taking a lot of excerpts and a lot of Dr. King's words and making them the, their own. Uh, so it's going to be a beautiful event, as well as we have uh, uh, Mayor Stewart. Uh, that's going to be our keynote speaker. And we all know uh, Mayor Stewart. She's an amazing woman. And so definitely looking forward to that. Uh, as well as we, has, we have a musical selection from uh, Dr. Betty and Gerald Purify. And then I will be moderating this wonderful event. But if I could just take a little time just to talk about our upcoming events. Um, we know that Black History Month is next month, and we have a couple events planned. Um, but what I want to talk about is the uh, we're co-hosting a joint town hall uh, with Indivisible uh, Rapid Response Team. And what we're going to do is have Congressman, uh, Congressman Panetta and Carbajal uh, come to that event and talk about some of the things going on in the Middle East as well as housing issues. So some beautiful town hall conversations that the community can ask those questions and, and really get some solid answers. The next thing is we're having a candidate, a candidate forum uh, in Atascadero, which is for District 5. So this is going to be a conversation and debate between Heather Moreno as well as um, Susan Funk for District 5, which is North County. And we're going to be able to ask those questions about what, what are they doing uh, to ensure that the LGBTQ community has safe spaces, housing, affordable housing, economic development, all these things that our community needs, and to have them speaking on that. I'm probably happy. Okay. Okay. Right. We're just um, <laughs> we, we we're we're running out of time, and I apologize for that. It's um, obviously we we squeezed Mo's call in there, and I wanted to give her a chance on that. Sorry about that. Mm. Um, I want to thank you very much for listening today. We're almost out of time, and so I need to go, roll through some of my announcements here. Sorry, um, Chris Kington Barker will be with you next week. She's going to have a conversation with Phyllis Davies and Tim LaSalle from Groundswell International. Um, Groundswell International is an organization dealing with indigenous farming all over the world. It'll be a fascinating conversation. You, of course, always know that this is a program that is sponsored by and held together with KCBX and the Community Foundation. Thank you to our guests, Tobin Johnson, Irv uh, Hepner, Isaac Garrett, and Evelyn uh, Calkins for being part of this today. This has been Central Coast Voices. We've used every second we've got, so I'll turn it back to Brad. <laughs>